Good morning, guys. Welcome to the Reborn Podcast. Uh, Today is such a special episode, one that you're not going to want to miss. Um, You talk about someone who is just so incredibly inspiring and somebody who puts so much passion in to what they do. Uh, I had the pleasure and the opportunity to meet Rick out at the canine uh, tactical event that was happening out in Indiana. And I, you know, organically just kind of sat down with him not knowing who he was um, or anything about um, his mission. Um, I didn't know anything about his his passion for canines or uh, the work that he is doing um, with the weapon training systems. Uh, Rick Hogg spent nearly 30 years serving in the U.S. Army Special Operations, including 13 combat deployments and working as a Special Forces Advanced Urban Combat Instructor. Um, Today, Rick is the founder of Warhog Tactical, um, which his company provides uh, professional comprehensive mobile firearms and tactical and canine to uh, Leo, any sort of... um, military law enforcement agencies and to uh, law-abiding citizens through combat-proven techniques and experiences to improve the student's skill ability. He also co-hosts On the Range podcasts, and you can check that out. Um, You can follow Rick, and we're going to talk about everything that he has done and where he is at right now, but you can follow him on his social media at Warhog Tactical. So let's bring on Rick to the Reborn podcast. All right, welcome to the Reborn podcast. Uh, I have Rick here, who is uh, Warhog Tactical, and... um, I'm really, really happy to have you here. I met you at the Canine. What was that? The Canine Ta- Tactical Tactical, Tactical Canine Association. Tactical Canine yep. Association, and uh, that was the first time that I had the pleasure of sitting down and and meeting Rick. And then the following day, I went out to his uh, gun handler course, which was amazing. And um, welcome to the Reborn Show. Thank you for coming on. With Thanks me. for having me, Ashley. I appreciate it. So can you give our listeners just a little bit of who, like, what is your, who are you sure. and what do you do? Too easy. So my name is Rick Hogg. I am the owner of Warhog Tactical. I'm a 29-year U.S. Army Special Operations Combat Veteran. I have taken my experience as a Special Operations Forces K-9 Handler, a Special Forces Advanced Urban Combat Instructor, and my 13 combat deployments to both Iraq and Afghanistan, and I've harnessed Warhog Tactical. We provide mobile firearms, tactical, and K-9 training to law-abiding citizens, military, and law enforcement agencies. We'll be launching a canine product line here soon, and we also consult for both the defense and firearms industry. What is your, uh, what's your canine line? I want to know about this. Wouldn't you like to know, huh? Can't Give let, us I, a little bit of idea. Give us a hint. So it's, a- it's going to be, it's going to be products, right? Mainly geared, um, you know, leash collar vest type deal. Uh, obviously last year has proven to be some interesting times. Uh, I think we finally got out all of our manufacturing issues. Supply train still a little bit of a drama. So um, 
want to try to do a soft launch to start if I go full Monty and then all of a sudden, you know, orders start coming in, can't fulfill. You know as well as I that people this day and age very much Amazon-esque. Uh, they want things today and I got it. You know, we're dealing... There's, there's a couple of things that I'm dealing with. One is um, I've got a small manufacturer here in North Carolina because I won't switch on my values being made in the USA. That's just... Rick's not going overseas. Sorry, not going to happen. Uh, I want to put that flag on my products to go, hey, it's made you know in the USA, currently right here in North Carolina. Um, so that's just been... Everyone's kind of feeling those supply train dramas. So... You know, here's the bottom line. The guys that are signed up on my newsletter, they're going to get the first dibs to it. So if you guys aren't signed up, warhog.com, sign up for the newsletter. You will know when the product launches. Now, I'll caveat, I'll caveat this. Not quite sure why we're having email drama issues, but sometimes my recipients get them, sometimes they don't. So that's a whole nother sidebar concept. But I want to try to give those guys that sign up kind of first notice, hey, here's what we got. Here's the launch. And... uh Working on doing, you know, product video, all the stuff you've got to do to launch a product out to the market. You know, we're all in that process of getting that finalized and completed. That's awesome. I'm going to go sign up for your newsletter because I want to know. I, I too have been, you know, I have my two canines, and mm-hmm. um, do, I go through so much gear and stuff for them. Like, mm-hmm. it, you know, you learn really quickly, like the gear that is that works and sure. the gear that just, especially with working dogs like a Belgian Malamar or German mm-hmm. Shepherds. I mean, they're just so rough yeah. on the gear. And so... Well, the, the thing is too, actually, here's the thing. It's just not something I kind of pulled out of my hip pocket, right? This was something that was basically born over in Afghanistan. Now we're going to harness... It, it is not a strictly mill LE type product line. Once you see the full application for what we're trying to do, it fully conveys over to the pet owner as well. So yeah, I think you'll uh, you'll definitely enjoy it once it comes out. I love that. Well, um, so you have about... 30 years, you have 30 years of military experience. When did your love 29, huh? 29, 29 is when uncle sugar said, Hey, pack your bags and get out. So, yeah. Well, I think we can, we can almost round up. Sure. 30. Um, what, like when, when did your love for the canine industry come about? Was it like, have you always had a thing for working with canines? Um, can you talk about a little bit about your, your military and, and when was your first experience working with canines? And then when did your passion? Cause I know I know that you're very, very passionate about um, about working canines. Um, sure. and we'll get into that a little bit later. But when did that happen for you? So for me, I saw the value of the dogs very early on in the GWAT. So out of all the, and I hate to use the word tools, but I'll use that for lack of better terms. I won't say tools, we'll say assets. I think that's a better word. For all the assets we had available to us, the canine proved the most valuable and most life-saving in my you know experience. Um we had an incident one evening, you know, where we're chasing a guy off a target, um, you know, big eye in the sky saying, hey, he went left and the dog's telling us, or excuse me, the eye in the sky saying he went right, dog's telling us he went left. And we listened to the eye, not the dog. And that was kind of the first point because the dog was right. And I wasn't a handler at that point. I was just a guy out there just looking for another bad dude. And um, man, I was like, man, we kind of wasted all this time and the dog was spot on. And, and you repeatedly see this common theme, right? Dogs saving guys' lives, guys, dogs picking up guys that we don't see. So their nose is absolutely incredible. Uh, I had no desire, to be honest with you, wanting to be a handler. I, I got kind of voluntold to do it. You know, so it's like, all right, I guess so. Um, but once you do it, you find out, at least for me in the role I was in, the organization I was working with, um, I was basically an independent agent out there. I had free run of the battlefield. You know, I was still working with the same guys. I knew the playbook. 
And no one was really telling me what to do. They were entrusting me that I would position myself, my canine in those spots, do our stuff. Uh, when I was ready to work, we're ready to work. And, you know, no ands, ifs, or buts on that one, you know? So you start figuring out that I'm bringing this amazing asset to me, the most uh, biggest combat multiplier on the battlefield, this canine, you know? So that means that there's added burden on me as the handler, because yeah. not only do I have to train myself, I've got to train this dog. I've got to train for 20,000 what if situations uh, because you want him to perform, you know, the day of the game. So uh, you start, I guess, building this bond with this animal and you fully understand he is there to give his life for us so that we can bring, you know, humans home. Um, and I think that's the biggest thing people need to understand. You know, you're their advocate on the battlefield. Uh, I'll give you a prime example. You know, it's, you've got to know when to employ him and when not to employ him. So we had an evening, uh, we're going out. We knew there were 10 foreign fighters in this, uh, in the safe house. We're going to hit the safe house. And, uh, the hierarchy is like, launch the dog in there. I'm like, has, you know, have they left? They're like, nope. I'm like, no, we're not sending the dog in. Cause all I'm gonna do is get the dog killed. We wound up dropping 500 pound bombs on this house anyway. But my point being is you had to be the advocate for the dog. Um, at the same token, you know, you also have to understand every time you release that dog off your body, he might, you know, may not come home. So, you know, for me, it was one of those just quick little prayer of God, bring him home. And, you know, I was fortunate enough with Duco that, you know, every time he did, uh, we were able to retire together. Uh, he lived the good life up until July 5th, 2001, where I lost, uh, he lost his battle osteosacoma. Did you have any, uh, mentors whenever you started your, like the canine handling and did you have anybody that you kind of or did you just self-learn everything through trial and error? No, no, no. no. I, I had some amazing mentors. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing. I had guys teaching me experience, not theory. Mm. So, you know, you hate to bust people because, again, you can learn something from somebody that has, if you want to say, theory, mm-hmm. but experience is the bottom line. You know, and you have a guy. So here's a prime example. Um, did I have one? No, I had a bunch of mentors, right? All my guys on my team. Um you know, guys up at the kennel, our trainers, all that stuff. So here's a prime example. We're very much in tune to always keeping the dog on the left. Does it always make sense? Well, if you think about it, if I'm going to launch a dog and I'm on, if you're, if you're looking at the door, if I'm on the left side, he's on the left, it's a tight turn Mm -hmm. for him to go, Mm -hmm. right? Why not switch him over to your right side, give him a better arc so he can get in Mm -hmm. and go do his business. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's, those are things that are gained by experience. Mm-hmm. Those are things that are gained from actually getting out there and doing it. Um, there's some things you learn on the fly. You know, I never thought, or never. Or let me rephrase. I wouldn't say thought. I was never taught. Hey, if bombs are coming in danger close, you might want to stick a muzzle on your dog. Mm. You know that that night I was telling you about. You know, dropping those bombs in that foreign fighter safe house. You know, something says spidey senses were tingling man, we're pretty close to this thing and we're going to get rocked. Let me just stick his muzzle on. And yeah, because I think it was four 500 pound bombs coming in danger close. He came unglued. Oh yeah. Would he have, would he have probably tagged me? Probably not, not out of spite. Just, Hey man, what the hell's going on? So there's some things you learn. Mm -hmm. There's some things where if you want to say your spidey senses tell you, Hey man, do this. And at the end of the day, experience in my opinion is the key. Um, you heard it firsthand when we're out in the range. You know, when I'm teaching these guys about self-defense, I'm not teaching from a theoretical standpoint. I'm teaching you, hey man, here's what works. 
here's what works to put bullets on target to stop another human being that's willing to cause you harm. So yeah, that's just kind of Rick's rant on experience versus theory. No, I, I like that. Cause I mean, especially I consider myself a canine handler, but just for my dogs. And that's because I put so much mm-hmm. like time and passion into them. Sure. Am I, am I a certified canine handler that would take somebody else's dog and train them? No, I would not. I don't feel comfortable with that. I would never do that. Um, but I have like the, uh, just taking what you said, uh, there, have, there have been a lot of things and this doesn't have to do even specifically with the canine world. This can be any industry that you're in. There's going mm-hmm. to be methods to doing things and there's going to be experiences when you do them and you actually go out and you try and you figure out like what works for you um, and what mm-hmm. doesn't work for you. Was canine, Duco, your, your only working canine that you had throughout your uh, military career? No, it, he, he wasn't. Okay, so you had a dog um, so- before him? I did. Mm-hmm. So Duco's story, here's the thing with Duco, right? Um, Duco's story rides on tragedy. Mm. So my primary canine, Marco, is who I had beforehand. Uh, I lost Marco in 2012, you know, so we'd done a rotation over in Afghanistan. Um, I lost him 2012 and Duco was our float dog. Here's the thing. Duco was a Dutch shepherd. Marco was a Mali. I didn't want Duco. When I first got him, I, just, I don't want this Dutchie. Give me a break, man. I said, where's my Mally back? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I I want, I, I didn't care which Mally. I just want a Mally. Mm-hmm. How wrong I was. Is that is that because of this the stigma that Dutchies are just crazier or like harder to, you know, communicate with? Or what was it? No, because it was just, you think about it, you know, Mally's are the more predominant, right? Mm-hmm. So that's what, it, it, it's kind of the known. Mm-hmm. So now you have this duchy, right? Yeah, and there's different thoughts. You know, people have different things as far as the duchies go. Again, this is this is a theory, not an experience, right? Sure, yeah, sure. Because I proved it wrong, right? Yeah, you know, I I had, in my opinion, I had the ultimate, and I'll say again, the ultimate working dog. Mm -hmm. Dugo, if I could, if I could sit there and clone him, Mm -hmm. he was 100 the gold standard. You know, when it came to a combat assault dog, there was no. And zips or butts about it. And I've worked numerous different dogs. So yes, Marco was my primary prior to Duco. Mm-hmm. I'd worked a couple other float dogs in there as well, because again, you've got to get those guys out and just, you know, check them out. So, I mean, I'd had experience working dogs in combat. Keyword combat being, you know, experience, not theory. Mm-hmm. So you're, yes, you train them, you know, back home. Now you're sitting there, you know, real world application. Um, but yeah, Duco was absolutely the, the gold standard. What, what was it? What was it that made Duco so special? Like, what was it that that made him, because I'm sure, especially being in like the canine industry and you had other working dogs, all of, I sure. mean, first of all, if a working dog has gotten to that level and they're running mm-hmm. with you into combat, that level of trust and communication that you guys have. So already any canine that you would be working at at that level has already surpassed like so many different um, levels sure. and things to get there. So what what was it? Can you talk about canine Duco and his his legacy and what made him so special? Sure. And and I'll kind of add it, you know, I'll, I'll stick Marco in there a little bit. Right. Mm-hmm. So Marco was a very edgy dog. Um, was he a great, you know, assault dog? 100%. But also, you know, Marco wanted to test the water one day and the boys are like, you know, you got to give him some corrections and fix it. Like you're killing your dog. Yep. We're, we're having to come to Jesus. Just stand back and let me work this thing out. You know, Duco never tested the water. He was 100% a complete alpha dog but never tried to test the water with me. He would sit there one second. I mean, this, this is Duco, right? Sitting in the kennel, paws all crossed, just chilling out. 
Okay. Get him out ready to work. Boom. Flick the switch. And he is an absolute beast. Um, you know, Armin Winkler, prime example, right? So I don't know if you met Armin um, during yeah. the conference yep. or not. Mm-hmm. Okay. Armin, world-renowned decoy. Mm-hmm. Uh, somewhere in there, we're working with Armin. And I'm watching Armin, you know, close fist punch Duco in the head. And he's just driving that much harder. And he's like, man. Uh, so, this- Ar- sorry, Armin um, got to work with Duco. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, so so pretty much all, okay. all those guys that were there for the most part um, had probably had had some dealings with Duco. Mm, okay. 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 So Armin Just, punched him. Oh, not punch once, punching. I mean, he is like beating this dog to get him off. And Duke's just driving harder and harder. And he's like, man, this dog's proven. I'm like, oh yeah, Armin, the things I've seen that dog do to a human being, pff, come on, dude, you're lucky you got the suit on, you know? Um, but that's, I mean, he would just bring the full gas one second. Mm-hmm. Pff, once we're done, just chill out, you wow. know? I mean, his ability to switch gears and then, you know, his ability going from the working dog mode, mm-hmm. you know, bringing him home, fully embraced it. Mm-hmm. You know, is he up on the couch? 100% he is. Why? Because he earned it. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm here today because of that dog. My friends are here today because of that dog. Mm-hmm. You know, so it was just his amazing ability to swap gears, um, you know, with just flying a helo, right? I've had other dogs that have been, oh man, is it, is it go time? Is it go? You would see Duke spike. When he would hear the rotor pitch change, he'd be like, I know we're getting close. Hey, dude, we're still 20 minutes out. Just chill out, buddy. Um, or if the damn door gunners would sit there and test fire their miniguns and not give me a heads up so I could cover his ears, <laughs> that always made the experience. But what, anyway. Do you do you think uh, the difference between Duco and the other one was, Mar- was it Marco? What was the Marco? Marco? Yep. Um do you think that has to do with their genetic disposition or their yep. upbringing from six months on to like a year to a year and a half, whenever it's really crucial? All the above, mm-hmm. you know? So, so here's the thing, um, you know, kind of looking at the dogs and where they came from, cause we're very intimate as far as the whole, you know, purchasing of the dogs and mm-hmm. where they come from. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Marco lived a hard life in the Czech Republic, chained off to an engine block, you know, um, he had a hard upbringing, you know, and I think that's why he was a more edgier dog. Mm-hmm. Duco, on the other hand, um, you know, over in Holland, never, never was introduced to electricity over there because again, just looking at handlers and how they do something. I mean, they do some medieval, interesting things over there. Uh, not saying Duco wasn't without his baggage. So we're going to, we're, we're guessing that he was probably double leashed a lot during his training. Um, can you, can you explain to the listeners what that means? Double leash? Sure. So basically when you're working, it's basically that you've got two leashes, right? One on opposing sides. So you think about this, when you're working at e-call or something like that, you're giving them a stem to their neck and hopefully they've been collar conditioned. So they understand what this stimulation is trying to get them to do. Mm -hmm. Um, when you're looking at, you know, a double leash, you're working leashes on opposing sides, usually during that bite work type process to get them off of that bite. Um, and that's where we kind of saw a little bit with Duke, you know, when we first got him, he was very much wanting to be mouthy at the leash, you know, so we just had to do some different training things to get rid of some of that baggage. Um, had a little bit of out baggage as well. And we just ended up totally getting rid of, you know, some Dutch commands, replaced them with some German started fresh. And, you know, it was like picking up a clean slate and going from there. Uh, can you talk about the foundation that you have with uh, Duco? Because I have a bottle of uh, Duco's whiskey sitting on my shelves. 
So yeah, we have the In Honor of Duco project. So what we have done is we have partnered with Scott's Wish, who's a all-volunteer. Let me say that again, all-volunteer, 501c3, meaning we get no money from anyone's donation. It all goes to uh, the cause we're working with. Um, and we started the In Honor of Duco project, which you can kind of see. There's one of our little uh, banners right up there from our last fundraising event. Here's the deal. The In Honor of Duco project is, you know, three simple mission statements. Mission number one, uh, to keep Duco's memory alive. So in turn, they say you die twice. Once when your physical body is gone and then, and then when you, um, your name is said for the last time. So just want to keep that one going for him. Um, that's why you see, you know, we've got that. There's his vest. Um, I don't know if you know, um, Jason and Sonny, but, uh, Clinton PDK nine, you know, we got the Duco flag there. So again, just all little things just to uh, keep his memory alive. My hat from explosive apparel design, the Blackbeard and friends uh, in on a Duco series. So I really um, like that hat. Yeah. Thank you. So you can go to warhog.com and uh, in honor of Duco scroll down. You can see where to get that at. So UK based company, uh, Rich was super good. And again, uh, proceeds from all purchases go right back to the in honor of Duco project. Mm, Second, second, part really um here's the thing mission statement number two is um so that no sof canine has to make a medical decision about their partner based on finances so when duke was uh, was uh, diagnosed with osteosacoma the docs don't tell you how they're going to cure him and correct him they're going to say yeah it's a ten thousand dollar bill you know amputate right rear leg four rounds of chemo and you're worried about your buddy man and all of a sudden you get this dollar gut punch for lack of better terms um so right now we're working with, I'm not sure if you know who uh, multi-purpose canine Leica is, Trenton Leica. A- anyway, Leica is another SOF canine. Uh, she lost her leg on her Afghanistan. She's having some med issues. And right now, you know, I, I talked to Trent when all this was going down. Um, keyword being talked. I'm not a big, super texty person. And I told Trent, I said, do not under any circumstance make a medical decision on Leica mm-hmm. based on your finances. It's like, we have her covered. And you could just feel that sigh of relief from him, Mm -hmm. right? Because the last thing I want somebody to do is take the $150 option versus the $10,000 option. If I can give you longevity, because I ended up with seven extra months with Duco, um, I thought he was going to live forever. Mm -hmm. Um, That was just Duco, right? But I I was fortunate enough to get seven extra months with him that meant the world to me. Yes, I had a tripod and it was cool learning new things with a tripod. But, um, you know, that's kind of the the second part. And then the last part is just helping other uh, canine organizations where it makes sense. So not sure if you're familiar with Military Working Dog Team Assistant uh, Team Support Association. Uh, That's their patch right up there, you know. Um, So they did a big Christmas drive getting care packages out to handlers and canines all over the world. You know, we helped him out with that. Uh, Second Chance K9, Travis Hall over there, who's helping, you know, train service dogs to give to veterans. You know, we helped him out. And then a, uh, a medical facility needed some funds. So we helped him out as well. Um, <clears throat> I want to ask you a question. And sure. I don't mean for this to be like a, like a hard question, but how did your outlook with, with Duco, the moment that you got the word... The, in the news that, you know, that the doctor told you that he was going to die and that he only had like a couple months to live. Like, how was your, how did your relationship change and how did, how did 
just like your, your mental resolve of everything. Like how was that different during those seven months? Can you talk about that a little bit? See, nobody ever said I had seven months, mm, right? Okay. They gave me six months to a year. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, listen here, rookies, this is Duco. Just, we got the cancer out, right? So from, from Rick's, let me re- rewind the tape a little bit, right? So first and foremost, you know, a couple hard things. You have to understand that me and Duco have never been physically separated during any medical procedure up to this point. Mm. For me to drop him off and not be with him, that was, you know, kind of gut punch number one. What's going on? How's things going? You know, not that I was worried about their competency of service, but it's like, no, I've been there every step of the way with him. I've innovated my own dog before. I don't care if he's just going for a dental or when he had his gastropexia. All the things we, we've had done over the years, I have always been there, part of that process. You know, so to be removed from that, that was the biggest gut punch because is he okay? Is he not? You know, you're sitting there wondering about that. Um, you know, you know, Operation Jailbreak, you guys can go check it out on YouTube. It's when we go get Duco back, a big cone of shame, all that stuff. But it was just the feeling when you get him back, you know, so at no other point, you know, even, even in combat, when I'd launched him off, there was some type of visual. I could see something, you know, this point I'd cut him loose. Where's he at? What's his status? So now you're waiting on a phone call or, Hey, surgery went well or whatever the case may be, you know? So, um, it, that, that was more of a gut punch, right? Them telling me, you know, he's got six months where you're blah, 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 whatever, you know, just tell me what I need to do. Um, after his last round of chemo, he had to get a chest X-ray a month after that. And then we were on a sequential three-month um, follow-up chest X-ray. It was like, yeah, we just knocked these things out. All's good. Nothing's changed, right? The only thing different is I've got a three-legged dog. I never I never had it in the back of my head that I was going to lose him. That wasn't, just wasn't a, a thought per se. You can call it... Um, do, do you Ignorant think, you. yeah, do you think it's because like you guys went through so many hard things together, like life threatening things that just something like, so like, you're like, how, like, how could something like this out of everything that we've been through, like, how could something like this take the life of Duco? I, absolutely. Yeah. I, I never thought, you know, I figured old age, mm-hmm. you know, I, and, and I'll be honest with you, 15, 16, 17, mm-hmm. that's what Rick's thinking, right? He's going to go forever. How old was he? Um, when he, he was 13, away. 13. Um, it, you know, but it wasn't, here's the thing, actually, it wasn't until the final week when, if you want to say the gut punch came. So I had thought Duke had messed up his left rear leg. Cause he was kind of, um, he was kind of limping around a little bit. Right. So we got hardwood floors. I'm thinking, all right, he just kind of slipped, tweaked a little bit, um, had a little bit of swelling in that leg, you know, took him to the vet. Okay. Um, you know, looked at it. We saw at that point, uh, and I, I, I can't remember my time frame. I know we'd had chest x-rays. We weren't within that three month window yet. We had chest x-rays before they were clean. Um, and since he's here, let's just, you know, grab some film. And we saw, you know, spots back in his chest. She was good. I mean, she didn't tell me, hey, man, you've got this amount of time with him. Just, all right, the cancer's back. All right, you know, um, go back, do our praying, you know. 
figure out some options. Um, within a week, man, everything that cancer came back with the absolute vengeance. Um, so the following week I took him back cause he wasn't doing good and we drew blood, took x-rays, um, you know, more spots in his chest, but his blood work was out of control. Basically his body was breaking down. And that was the point when I had to sit there and go, all right, buddy, you know, our time has come. We opted um, for July 5th because I wanted one more Independence Day with him. You know, he had given so much that let's go ahead and just give him that. Um, yes, he was a Dutch-born dog, but he wore the sergeant stripes. You know, he was very much a U.S. service member. Um, so with all that, you know, we opted July 5th was going to be the day. And yeah, it was a, it was an absolute gut punch. Um, I think from that Thursday to Monday, if I recollect correctly, we weren't separated. And let, let me add one thing, right? Cause I got you to hit a pause point because this is important, right? I'm emotional. Right. I got tears. I got, you know, chopped up voice. I think it's important for the, you know, viewers, listeners out there to understand, especially for my veterans and my first responders, it's okay. Get your emotions out of your system. Right. It's healthy. You keep them, you know, stored up. To me, that's just doing bad business for yourself. So uh, that, that's the next question that I want to ask you is Sure. How did you, because it's still hard. Like I, it's going to be hard for a long time, but when did you allow yourself time to like actually mourn? Like what is the mourning process like that? Um, ongoing. Ongoing. It still goes. Mm. It, 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 here's the thing. I don't think it'll ever end. Mm -hmm. Honestly, yeah. you know, he was that much, that big of a part of my life. Mm -hmm. You know, I am here on this planet because of that dog. So will I ever get over it? I doubt it. Um, doesn't mean I'm not trying to, you know, sometimes I can talk and we're all good. Sometimes I talk, you know, and, and again, this is nothing against you and I don't mind sharing. Right. But I think back to that day, you know, and it's just, it's hard. You know, I would do anything, anything just to have another day, another minute, another, whatever. Um, did you, uh, did you, did you cremate him or did you, I did. you did? Yep. Okay. Yep. Yeah. He, he's downstairs. He's downstairs in the bedroom. Okay. Snoozing. <laughs> no, we, um, no, yeah, we, we, we had him cremated. Um, great place, you know, right down the road, same place, same place where Marco was cremated at, you know? Um, and that whole, you know, that whole process. So we, we dropped him off, you know, Monday evening, um, went back Wednesday, um, you know, for him to actually go into to the crematorium, just kind of have that final closure, you know, watched Duco in there, flag draped coffin or flag draped 
little thing there and, you know, come back the next day and pick him up. So bring him right back home. So yeah, he's got a, uh, a pretty cool little urn that, um, that a buddy of mine, again, I've had so many people reach out, right? Mm-hmm. This, this is, this is the amazing part. Um, so many people reach out. So many people give support, you know, that he's got a great, great looking urn. Um, nice picture of him on the front, you know, and I'll leave it at back. I'll leave it at that. Cause there's some other things on those just for us. Yeah. So. I love that. I, I know. Thank you for sharing that. I, you know, being, um, just a huge supporter of military and police and I've, you know, I've seen, like, I know that people lose their dogs and, um, I can't even imagine like the feeling of what that must be to look like, you know, must feel like and what that must look like. And I don't feel like enough people are out there talking about it because, like the experiences that you go through with your with your canine, you know, it's everything that you said and more. Sure. Like it goes really deep. What well, here's a little bit. Let me give you a little bit more, Ashley. Right. Okay. Um. So, did a thing. I don't know, a couple of weeks ago with uh, Emily Campagliano with uh, Fox News, and one of the parts we brought up is is why do we have the In on Abuco project? Because here's the bottom line: there's no doggy VA for lack of better terms. There's no medical benefits for these guys once they retire. Mm-hmm. You know, when I basically signed Duco over from the army to me, they're like, hey, you accept all responsibility for this dog. Including the, the vet bills. It, yep, yep. Including the vet bills. Um, you know, so that was part of the whole other part with this. And even talking with Emily, she was like, there's no, no health care for these guys. And I'm like, nope, there's nothing. You know, so that's another part that we're going to try to get um, get going on this year because you're starting to see a lot of veterans, you know, start running in dis- different legislative capacities. We're going to support those guys. And, and here's the bottom line. When they get in office, we're going to say, hey, man, because you got to understand, let me set some precedents so people understand. Um, we, youth, we used to euthanize military working dogs up until 2000. Congress passed a law that we we're no longer going to euthanize military working dogs. Like after, over, after they're done working, like they just, yeah, after they're done. they don't retire. Yeah, so, they just, yeah, no, euthanize. They, they basically get the blue juice and mm-hmm. hey, thanks for your service. See mm-hmm. you later. You can understand we left over 4,000 dogs in Vietnam. Just left them. They wow. were equipment, right? Yeah. So 2000 Congress passes a law that we're going to no longer euthanize military working dogs. So in turn, you know, I reap the benefits of that, but why don't we shoot for, in 2022, let's pass some legislation where now these guys have some, you know, healthcare benefits. I mean, I've got them as a veteran. Right. Trust me. How many guys are alive because of me versus because of Duco? Because of these other dogs, you know, we've got 22 other SOFK nines that have paid the ultimate sacrifice. You know, how many brothers, fathers, sons, teammates are here today because of those dogs? And we would just want to sit there and go, Hey guys, appreciate your service. Right. Have a nice life. Peace out. You know? Yeah. 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 That's interesting. So, and too, like the, the segue from, you know, if you're a police officer, even in the military and you lose a dog, like you're expected mm-hmm. just to pick up another dog, like nothing happened and not even, you know, and just continue like the working cycle of, you know, cause you got to get back on the. <laughs> and, and, and I, I get that part, right. Mm-hmm. I, I understand that because again, combat's a very dynamic situation. That's why we have, you know, our float dogs. Yep. So that, hey, if something happens, 
yeah, you know, I never had to experience, and and I I thank God for that, but I have had buddies that, you know, they go overseas with their partner and now he's coming back in the ammo can, you know? So it's, we just look at, like I said, the, to me, the, the most valuable asset on the battlefield, just give them, you know, once they've retired, they've done their service, give them that respect and let's give them a little bit of healthcare and just get them through that. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Today's episode is brought to you by Paleo Valley. They make incredible beef sticks that are 100% grass-fed and grass-finished. Many on the market, they claim to be grass-fed, but they're actually finished on grains. Paleo Valley uses the beef sourced only from small domestic farms in the U.S. They pride themselves on the premium ingredients, including the real organic spices, to their beef stick. They don't use the conventional spices sprayed with pesticides or the natural flavors often made from the GMO corn. They're keto-friendly. That's a plus if you're into keto, low-carb. They taste amazing, and it's a great protein snack for on-the-go for you, your kids, your family, your friends. If you head on over to paleovalley.com, and enter in the code ASHLEY15, all caps, A-S-H-L-E-Y 15 at checkout, and you can get 15% off of your order. I want to kind of switch gears a little bit and talk about Warhog Tactical. So was this uh, pre-Duco, or was this, uh, like, when did Warhog, when did Warhog come about? So Warhog Tactical, if you want to know the whole story. I do. Warhog Tactical is actually uh, born, established, however you want to phrase it, back in 2002. Mm. Let me say that again. 2002, right? So I didn't get out until 2017. What wound up happening, okay? I was once teaching theory. It has to happen somewhere, right? So prior to the GWAT, um, I was a Special Force Advanced German Combat Instructor for 7th Special Forces Group. And we were teaching guys that, you know, combat marksmanship, CQB, all that other stuff. Uh, we had some vehicle stuff we're doing in there. So long story short, the after the first iteration or when first, fifth group first goes over to Afghanistan, next in the hopper is seventh group. I personally believe it's because of our advanced urban combat program. And we had trained basically special forces companies to be able to work as a company. So as a larger in assault force element. When those guys came back in 2002, they were like, hey, man, that stuff you taught me saved my life. That that set the hook. That was like, I knew at that point when I got out, I was going to start a training company. So it wasn't like I got out in 2017, like, hey, what am I going to do? I'm going to go start this training company. Nope. We were well established that the business was already set up, you know. Um, so all that was, was up and running. Here comes the thing. The... Hardship hurdles, whatever words you want to, you know, choose, those came in 17 because if you want to say for lack of better terms of ignorance, right? Did I really do my homework and get into stuff? Did I have any social presence? Nope. I can remember like figuring out, figuring out going from being in the military and then going mm-hmm. into the civilian world, how tough that was. Yeah. Well, it, it's going to the entrepreneurial world, right? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so here I am. How do I get my name out there? 
you know, um, I got to go establish a website. You know, I remember going to a shot show and here's my industry partners going, Hey man, we can't find you on social. Oh yeah. Yeah. What do I know about? I don't want social, right? It's a a pain. Let's be an honest broker. Uh, But that's your digital marketing, you know? So you got to start figuring all that stuff out. You got to figure out how to get stuff on YouTube, how to get your website. Um, Oh, by the way, the website provider I was using, their e-commerce section was rubbish. You know, what I know about getting people to sign up for emails. I mean, just all these continual things that didn't really set myself up for success. And you're sitting there just trying to grind and grind yeah. and grind. And now we're at the point now of figuring out, all right, hey, we got to go get some content. Got to get something out there, you know, put it on, you know, and I don't call it social media. I call it social marketing because that's what it is, right? Yeah. Um, I think Jack Carr probably because we had him as a guest of uh, on the Range podcast, you know, when he was on, he said something that resonated very deeply with me. He's like, every time I put a post out there, I want it to have meaning so that whenever the, you know, the reader, viewer, whatever you want to say, um, reads it, you know, I'm not wasting their time. And that's been something that's been, has resonated with me. Probably one of those very impactful moments. It's like, hmm, makes sense. So versus just slapping some rubbish out there. Cause we go, if you look at my social, right. There's some staples I put in there. Like Mondays, I'm always putting out some silly, funny video because people love it and just give them a chuckle to start the week. Um, we'll have stuff in there as far as Warhawk Tactical. We'll put uh, historical stuff. You know, So like, for example, uh, yesterday in 1961, a B-52 bomber had to dump two nuclear weapons here in the state of North Carolina because they were having problems. You know, we, we stuck that as a post just because, again, being from North Carolina, just trying to educate people. Hey, man, here's a little bit of your history. Did you even know? Man, I yeah. have no idea. So it's, you've just got to be savvy with it. Um, plug in stuff where it makes sense. Probably some of my lives from SHOT Show are a little interesting from some of our different fests we were at, you know? So, but no, it's just, you know, have fun with it. Um, but at the same time, you don't, in my opinion, you don't want to waste people's time. Yeah, definitely adding value to uh the viewers like what whatever that is like mm-hmm. youtube or instagram or facebook um but yeah you have to like it can't just all be educational i dude i see your videos it's like always some girl like chick on monday that's like hurting herself dude i laugh so hard i'm like this is so wrong but i keep watching it it's like you're just watching this train wreck and you're like you can't stop watching yep. it but dude i see those every monday and i think that it's hilarious i don't know where you get all that um from the interwebs but it's it's really funny but here's the deal ashley right so it used to be i have to go out there and scour now i've got people going hey man check this yeah, out check this out it check to this. You. and i'm sitting there going oh, which That's one's nice. gonna be for monday you know yeah Sometimes yeah. I do, sometimes I do well and say, Hey, thanks so-and-so for, you know, this, or, or try to throw people some credit back to them, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, man, there's so many there and yeah, it's awesome. So that that's people like that stuff, you know? And then obviously on Fridays, you know, we're doing something for uh, red Friday, you know, so remember everyone deployed, we still have troops in harm's way. Mm-hmm. So don't forget it. Don't think the war's over. Nope. There's still uh, guys out there getting after it. So yeah, we, you know, we want to throw that back to our military lineage and, you know, Duke's got his own page in there that we do stuff that, you know, is more dog-esque related, but still throw mm-hmm. some pics of Duke in there and just keep that memory alive and yeah, keep it all going. Uh, what services specifically does Warhawk Tactical provide to civilians? Do you do anything with civilians and, and yeah. what is, uh, 
yeah, can you talk about a little bit like what like what can people do with Warhawk Tactical and and what services you provide? Because I've I've had the opportunity to work with you, and you're actually probably I don't I don't want to like to your own horn too much, but like you are probably the best instructor that I have had the opportunity to work with um, because of the mentality that you bring and that you try to instill into your students. Sure. Uh, can you, can you talk about that? Well, I want to, um, I want to talk, I want to tell a story really quick. So whenever okay. I first met Rick, I was, it was at the uh, tactical canine association event in Indiana this last fall of 2021 and I we were at like this um it was like a convention where you walk around and there's booths and I came outside and I saw like I didn't know who you were or anything I have heard of a war war hog but I didn't know who Rick was and so I sat down and I don't know how the conversation started but we started talking about um firearms and shooting and you asked me do you remember the first question like that you were like that you're like, are you, are you like something about shooting? And I was like, um, I was like, well, I'm not that great, but, um, and then, and then you're like, why won't you to ask me like, Oh yeah. 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 So, so we, yeah, I I forget that how, what question I asked. Um, but here's the thing. And and I say this, um, not in a bad way, but the, your personal self-confidence wasn't there. Right. Mm -hmm. And and I and I turned the question around to you. And I said, well, who's the best person out here? Oh, uh, yeah. It, that was and it. And I said, I don't know. I mean, I said, I do. And I said, it's me. Right? I'm the best person out here. And then I caveated with something else. I said, what can't you do? I said, there's nothing I can't do. I'm a realist and say I may not be the best, but there's nothing I can't do. And, and again, it, it's that mindset deal, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. We, take, we take that concept kind of to the range. And we cut out emotions when we're out in the range. So if you think about it, the head shaking, the dirt kicking, the cussing, it's an emotional event. I don't care whether you're shooting paper or shooting another human being. It's an emotional event. And I try to instill that in my students. But people have to understand, you know, we also probably, I don't remember if I asked you the question or not, are you willing to take another human being's life? If you're carrying a firearm, you know, for your self-protection and departments don't do it. Nobody asked me in the military. Hey man, are you willing to kill another human being? They make the assumption yes, but you know if you remember, like when we did the T-shirt drill, I've had officers in different training events. I'm doing the same. I don't feel comfortable shooting this T-shirt. I'm like, there's no body attached to it right now. I said we're trying to you know help you and your marksmanship ability. God forbid you're ever in that deadly force encounter to be able to stop that threat efficiently and effectively. And you can't shoot a T-shirt over a target here you probably needed to go turn on your badge and gun. So it, everything I'm doing or everything I'm teaching, you know, from the firearm side, whether it's my civilian stuff, you know, my military, my law enforcement is, you know, you saw a bunch of problem solving going on out there. Unbeknownst, you may or may not. Um, you see a whole mindset concept in there. And again, it's just trying to instill self-confidence. It's not arrogance. When I say I'm the best person, it's not an arrogance. It's just self-confidence. And it's funny because I've done it with other guys in the special operations community. You know, hey man, who's the best guy out here? I am, I am, I am, I am. Yeah, we all go back to, you know, I am because that's the deal. That that's yeah. that's the mentality. It's not arrogant. It's just having self-confidence. I don't care who's in the room. 
it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. I'm the best guy there. So I kind of, I've, I've taken that, that moment that we had, which mm-hmm. I don't know, we sat there for, we continued on our conversation. We sure. talked, talked about a lot of things and I ended up coming up out to your class the following day. Um, but I use that same technique of what you sat down and you asked me that question and, and you did, you told me you were like, where's your confidence, Ashley? Like, yeah. Cause I was like, ah, I'm not that good. And I'm not very, you know, I can't do this. And you were like, mm-hmm. what's like, what's like, why are you even saying that? And so like, I'm, I'm coaching like a group of like probably 400 girls. There's guys too, 400 people. And I've told them that like, figure out it's this, it's an eight week challenge. And I challenge them to figure out who they want to be in eight weeks, the goals that they have set, but become that person right now. Like whoever that is, whoever you long to be. And it's the same thing with like shooting and the competitions that I've done and I've, I'm continuing to do, but decide who you want to be, but become that person right now. I, I would just I would just say this, Ashley, not to cut you off. Be careful Ooh. in your wording, right? Mm. Because when you say the person you want to be, my mind, at least for me, well, do I want to be like Ashley? Do I want to be like Rick? Uh-uh. I, I would change the verbiage a little bit, right? Because here's what I tell people. Be 1% better every day. Be a better you. What is that better you? I, that, you know, I would just be careful because you're going to, you don't want people thinking, well, I want to be like that guy or that guy or be like her. Uh-uh. How do I make myself just 1%, 1% better? What is that 1%? Is that 1% better spiritually, physically, mentally, financially? It, it, it can go on, right? Yeah. But it's, it's improving me. You know, so if people can start doing that, you know, prime example, uh, of course, my, here it is, you know, I'm a, I'm a big believer, right? Here's my journal, right? In here, we got, if you want to say Rick's journal, we got Warhog Tactical stuff. We got On the Range podcast. I've got my dry fire stuff in here. I've got my workout stuff in here. Why? Because I need to write this down. This is my accountability. Go, oh man, why didn't I dry fire yesterday? Why didn't I work out yesterday? You know, if you're not putting pen to paper, I'm a big fan of pen to paper. I'm not a big electronic dude. Um, Same. If it works for you, great, but it doesn't work for me, right? But like, I hate the whole New Year's resolution. Why do I need a day to go, oh man, on the first, I'm doing this. Do it today. Just Have shut to it. Start. It, start yeah. right now. If you want to change your life, whatever changing your life is, you do it right now. And oh, by the way, you put pen to paper. Because if you sit there and go, well, what are your goals? Well, you know. No, I don't know. Show me. Boom. They're right there. These are my goals. This is my self-improvement guide. This is my track. I got it. If you want to have other people to keep you accountable, fine. You know, I'm fine with that. But too many times, you know, we are very much in a society. Self-confidence is gone. Masculinity is, oh my God, you're masculine. Mm. We live in a rubbish world, right? Absolutely garbage. Where, oh, you said this, it hurt my feelings. Oh, you shut it. Okay. Be confident in yourself. Just be a good person to start, but make yourself just 1% better every single day. If you strive to do that, man, where are you going to be, you know, in 365 days? So, you know, I kind of use this analogy because some people don't get it. Man, 1%, what does 1% look like? Think about this. If I want to learn a foreign language and I learn one word a day, one word a day, at the end of the year, I got 365 words that hopefully I can put something together. Mm -hmm. You know, I've got some type of language ability. 
you know, 365 words, that's not a bunch, dude. You pick the right 365. Think about people's vocabulary. It's not that broad. Trust me, yeah. you can go somewhere. You can go somewhere and get what you need to get done. What are some um, What are some like mental drills that you have for people, like to strengthen and um, just deepen the the mental resolve of people and and being able to go out, whether it's shooting or or what you know, what other applicable event that you have uh, that people can use in their and their day-to-day life and getting better? To, to me, it's all pen to paper, right? So it's having some type of strategy for what it is because everyone's a little different and it's hard to sit there and go, well, you need to do this or you need to do that or you know, whatever the case may be. If you put pen to paper, because you think about this, I kind of brought this up and there's a lot of correlations between fitness and firearms. Why is it that guys will have a plan to go to the gym? Today's back and buys. Yeah, okay, I'm going to do whatever. Okay, cool, dude. But what are you going to do with the range? Huh? It, they got nothing, right? So to sit there and go, what's somebody's mental exercises? I live in a complete different world, right? I am an individual that had to be hospitalized for six weeks because of my traumatic brain injuries. You know, So I have to work every single day on my brain. I have to get my brain better. You know, I, There's things I just don't remember. And that's just because of 29 years of just having my head beaten against the wall um, umpteen gazillion times. So my, if you want to say my mental exercises are going to be different than somebody else's, you know, get into a book. How many people are reading? How many people are trying to do something to make themselves better educationally? You know, smarts, just entertain. I don't care what it is, you know, don't forget, enjoy life. But at the same token, what am I doing to work on me? So to sit there and go, what's a general not to dodge your question, Ashley, but it, it's rough without kind of knowing the person, right? And you got to kind of deep dive. So am I dealing with a veteran that's, you know, numerous TV eyes and going, hey, dude, here's some things you can do specifically to help out. Oh, by the way, you've got some eye convergence issues we need to work on along with your TBI stuff. Here's some things to work. I mean, we just start opening up Pandora's box. Okay. So I don't have a um, clear cut, easy work the brain. I can give you a mindset all day long. You know, you have the concept of you're the best person in the room. There's nothing I can't do. I may not be the best, but there's nothing I can't do. You say that every time you walk into a room, you'll crush life. You'll have a total, you know, mindset shift. And all of a sudden, shoulders stick back a little bit, walk a little bit taller. And yeah, go from there. What is the future of Warhog Tactical? What do you, but aside from the, like the dog stuff and everything, like what are you going to you know, what's, what's like the future? What is the next year to global domination? I love that. (laughs) I love that. I'm glad that we're friends. No, not in a bad way. I mean, here's the bottom line. It's like anything else, right? It's, we're at that point, you know, it's a balancing act, right? Um, Do I enjoy traveling the country training? I do. Does it get old and take away from, you know, my family? 100%. You know, so it's finding that balancing act of still going out, um, still training across the country. However, still probably doing more things uh, North Carolina based mm-hmm. just because, you know, I own that. And mm-hmm. I'm a guy that um, I crapped on my family. You know, let's, let's be an honest broker. I was selfish. Um, 13 combat deployments. You don't think that has an effect on your family. Yep. And then all of a sudden I'm going to start a business and then start picking up and traveling all over again. 
Uh, I try to bring my wife along when it makes sense. It doesn't always. Uh, sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. But yeah, was she out at Shot Show and were we having a great time? Of course. You know, Shot's one of our annual staples that you know she's going to be at. Um, anything for the most part, and I say that for the most part because we've got uh, another grandbaby on board that might affect some of our in honor of Duco fundraising. She might not be at. Um, but for the most part, you know, anything in honor of Duco, yeah, because Duco was very much a huge part of her life. You know, here's the part that um, that I didn't realize till after I lost him. You know, here she is showing me videos I'd never seen before. Okay, of, of kind of you know her and Duke's bond, and then she was like, you know, he was my protector when you were gone. I mean, she knew exactly what she well, she knew she didn't want to admit it necessarily, right? Knowing. Hey, what did they all do? She doesn't know all the stories, but, uh, or I should say not the stories, but the details uh, and what that dog would do to some man was absolutely just amazing. But, you know, if somebody were to come in there, sorry, dude, you know, it's, yeah. a, it's a bad day for you. So um, no, we're going to continue that. We're going to work on product line. We've got a bunch of different companies we're working with, you know, so um, where things do you go. have, do you have classes in North Carolina right now to teach like civilian firearm training? Yeah. So, so I, I've got some open enrollment. So here's the thing we have When's your next class. I want to come see you. Um, it's probably going to be in February. I got to go get up with, um, so Griffin group over in, uh, Maxton, North Carolina is pretty much where we're going to start doing our classes at. I had to cancel this weekend's classes, uh, because of the weather. Now I typically don't cancel because of the weather, but you know, snow and you ice. Guys, you guys got snow, right? Yeah, yeah, like snow. North Carolina doesn't usually get no, snow, do they? No, no, no. I remember seeing that on the news. Yeah. So for the, for that reason, because I had guys yeah. coming in from out of state, um, where the range is located, it's you got to drive the back 40s to get there. And the last thing I wanted was one of my students in a ditch. So just like, hey, guys, check it out. Um, I got to go hit the range up actually probably uh, today or tomorrow and just check on some dates. But I'm going to try to get that stuff rescheduled for February. Um, and yeah, you know, part of it is, have I put out a whole, you know, 2022 training calendar? I haven't because I've got a bunch of, um, mill and LE stuff that we're trying to solidify some dates there. Nothing against my civilians. I, I, I love my civilian students to death. However, um, my law enforcement guys, they are in harm's way every single day. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've, I don't ever want to get another, uh, text email note from guys, but they're getting they're getting into gunfights and they're sending me notes going, hey man, that stuff you taught me, thank you. Saved my life. I said, hey man, you know, I hope you're in a never in another one. But um, so right now that's kind of our primary focus because those guys, I mean, they're getting burnt down. Yeah. It, it almost seems like daily. And mm -hmm. as many of those guys as I can touch, as I can train and hopefully give them a skill set they never have to use, all the better. But if they do man, be efficient, be effective and shut that threat down. Yeah. So your, your focus right now is military and police yep. for the firearm training. Yeah. Um, do they get any help with like paying for those classes or does it come, does it just come out of their pocket? Cause that's the other thing too, is like, they don't have like the funding and they get paid like shit. Well, so, yeah. <laughs> and, and so here's, here's something we're trying to do. We're trying to offer mm -hmm. free, free law enforcement training via our industry partners. So for example, um, yeah, last year we did actually quite a few. So for example, like Vertex, um, Ohio-based company, mm -hmm. we actually ran a class right there in Cincinnati, you know, for some of the municipalities right there. So that was one thing that they they stepped up. And if any company's listening and they want to support 
um, you know, free law enforcement training on these here. Yeah. I've traveled all over the country, right? You pick a place, you got a department that needs, uh, I'm there. Um, yeah, basically, you know, Vertex was the sponsor of that one, um, right there in kind of their own backyard. So they outfitted their guys in, in their apparel, um, went out there, had a great range day, kind of similar to what we did, except for, um, our physical duress portion was longer just because we had a bigger range, not so much like that little one we had in Indiana. Um, we didn't do as much, you know, strong hand shooting because obviously canine officer, that class we did in Indiana was specifically geared towards them. But yeah, you know, um, but we've had a bunch of those over the years and we want to continue. So if a company wants to give back or if they want to do something like that, reach out, you know, uh, go to warhog.com. You can find an easy link to shoot me an email and, you know, we'll take it from there. But yeah, I'm trying to focus on those guys right now. I love that. It's such a need. And it, it sounds like that you're filling that. Um, you're really, really filling that for, for people. Um, they just, yeah, they need a lot. They need a lot of training. Um, I want to, I want to ask you first, where can people find you now that you have social media since 2017? Can you share your Instagram, like share it all? I'm going to share it all. Here it is. Warhog, warhog.com. W-A-R-H-O-G-G.com. Okay. Now you're probably going, well, why aren't you telling us where you're at on social? Well, because you can go to warhog.com. You can find all my social links there, but here's the thing. And sign up for the newsletter. Sign up for the newsletter. Right. But here's the thing with social, you know, as well as I, Ashley, Instagram tomorrow can shut my account down. Okay. Can they shut my website down? Nope. I, I own that. So I used to be just like you. Hey man, find me on Instagram, find me on Facebook, find me on whatever. I think we're on Twitter and all this other rubbish. I, I don't care. I, I and, and I don't say that in a bad way, but I say Rick, go, do you have a TikTok? Um, so we played with a TikTok <laughs> for the uh, on the range podcast mm-hmm. because everyone said TikTok was the hot thing. Yeah. I ain't doing no dance videos or acting all stupid, I know. but we try to just we try to grab snippets from like the podcast, stick that on there. That didn't go nowhere. Um, people say that TikTok's anti-gun. I stuck some gun pictures or gun videos on there. It, here's the bottom line. Um, I get the best traction out of Instagram. Don't really know how to maximize Facebook. Um, at the end of the day, they're all advertising platforms, right? Zuckerberg wants your money. Boost your post. Dude, okay, so you're telling me you're not giving full reach as it is, right? That that's all you're telling me. What I do, you know, my call to action every single post, um, whether it's my page, Duco's page, on the range podcast, um, Warhog underscore com is our backup page just in case we get, you know, zucked and have no more social. At least we've got something. But all of that call to action, sign up for the newsletter because Warhog.com is that's my domain. I own that. Um, you know, we've got some of our training videos on there. So yes, I'm, I do have stuff on YouTube, but we stick some stuff on there. So there's links there. Uh, Instagram links on there. Uh, if you want to become a patron, there's a link to the Patreon page there, Facebook, uh, all the other social stuff, if you're into that. Um, but yeah, and then that's where you sign up for classes or see what classes are available. Or if you want private training, um, my LE stuff, all that, it's the one-stop shop. And oh, by the way, we've got a whole section dedicated to Duco in honor of Duco. Mm. So mm-hmm. when you open the, you know, the first thing, it was a little more robust when I first lost Duco, right? So this was kind of part of my way to, uh, to cope, to mourn, to, to keep his name live, um, was we stuck out 
you know, we kind of did a bigger on the homepage in honor of Duco. We've trimmed that down a little bit. Uh, it still says in honor of Duco. Always, I think it always will. I don't think that'll change. Um, you know, kind of that picture of us sitting next to the Hilo in Afghanistan. That's uh, that's my only picture, believe it or not, that I've got in combat with him. So it uh, means a lot to me, but that's kind of our, our staple pick there. Um, but then you kind of see everything that, you know, Warhog Tactical has to offer. It's got kind of all our different class stuff on there. Um, for my mill Ellie guys, I am very much customizable. So just because I've got a two-day this or whatever, I can do whatever they want. And typically, I've learned over the years when my either mill or Ellie guys call, hey, what do you offer? I used to go, well, I can do this and I can do I just go, what do you want? Well, yeah, you what know? do you need? It, yeah, what do you it, need? What do you want? Yeah, I can do it. Yeah, just what do you want? You know, and then we start having conversations there. Um, at the same token, you know, I get civilians that reach out and they go, hey, you know, what's your cost to do this? And then it's like, yeah, and we can do private stuff, you know, so I do my open enrollment that I go, hey, I'll be at, you know, range X on this date, you know, sign up now, see you then. Um, or if I got, you know, people that just reach out, you know, let's say hypothetically, Ashley goes, Rick, want to do a private class, me and the girls, Roger that, you know, in that case, you know, am I coming up there? Are you coming down here? We figure it all out. Right. So it's just, it's like anything else business-wise, you figure it out, work out the details and they, they go, yep, nope. You know, very customizable. We've cut down our round counts. Um, cause we know that's still an issue. So trust me, I'm not wasting your bullets. You're making every round count. And, uh, you know, give you a skill set that hope you never have to use, but God forbid you do. Yeah. You bring it. You'll be ready. Yeah. yeah. I want to ask you a final question. What is the legacy that Rick wants to leave behind? If I can just help people be a better person, whatever that better person is, that's success. If I can stop or help prevent somebody from taking their own life and that's success. You know, that's, if you want to say a legacy, just be a good person, instill that into others, but look, I'm a very good feel for people and I can read people. I've had a couple slip through my fingers. You know, I never saw the warning signs. I never saw the, um, the reaching out. Everything was good. And it, you know, it's kind of one of those that it bothers you, right? So, buddy of mine, um, it was a 2018 committed suicide, and I'm sitting there scrolling through my text. Where'd I miss it? Where's the lifeline? You know, I would tell people this. Rick's legacy, reach out to your friends. Reach out to your buddies. Just check on them. Listen. I've had people, um, or I've known people that have been talking they were brought in as public speakers, right? And I'm listening to them talk. Listen to them tell their story. Story's done. Hey, dude, let's talk. Because they're throwing things out. Not that they're, you know, suicide at that point, but there's there's baggage there. And it's just helping, you know, those of us that, you know, bear the the brunt of the GWAT doesn't come without a cost. You know, my family... um, paid a, a huge cost. You know, you sit there and listen to their stories. Where was dad? Well, the common joke in the hog house is he was out getting milk because dad was never around, right? My wife raised the kids. 
Um, but don't let it all be in vain. You know, we've done some things that we had to, to reconciliate, you know, so my, my relationship, especially with my daughter, um, you know, is better. That's, that's a legacy in itself. You know, my kids, um, she would constantly remind me, daddy, you've missed nine of my birthdays. This was for going on to her 18th birthday. So how many others didn't she remember? She remembered nine. Um, we ended up having nine mini birthday parties prior to her 18th. She hasn't said it since, you know, that's my legacy. You know, my grandkids, that's my legacy. You know, and then if I can touch people, you know, that's your legacy as well. Just if you're a good person, check on your buddies, take care of your family, take care of yourself. That's it. That's your legacy. Well, I want you to know, Rick, that that short time that you and I had together from sitting down and having a conversation to out on the range and you showing me a few things like I've, I've never forgotten that experience and uh, you have had a, an impact on my life, a positive one. And so I just want to say thank you for that. And I'm glad that we still have this relationship and I really want to connect with you and yeah. so I can. But, but uh, see, here's the, thing, Ash, here's the thing, Ashley, right? My simple words to you. Now, what are you doing? You're multiplying it, right? So you're taking it to your tribe. You're sharing that with them. You don't think they're going to take that message back to their tribe, to their tribe, to their tribe. Imagine where would the world be sitting at today if everybody, everybody had the mindset, I'm the best person in the room. There's nothing I can't do. I may not be the best, but I'm the best person in the room. Man, we would sit and there that, and crush. The positivity, yeah. That, that's the it. positivity and the confidence and you just take it and you spread it and you instill that into others, which I think is really important. Yeah, and 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 that's the whole key. You know, so, you know, help people out, be a good person, take care of your family. Life's easy. I love that. Well, thanks for joining me on the Reborn podcast. You have such an amazing story and the legacy of Duco lives on. Um, I just love just how passionate you are about everything. Um, Just from Duco, the canine world to the tactical training and um, your family and and all of your core values. So thanks so much for coming on the the Reborn podcast. And um, I will, uh, I'm going to go get on your website. All right, Ashley. Thank you for having me. Thank you guys so much for listening to Reborn with Ashley Horner. Be sure to follow, leave us a review in the Apple podcast. Tell your friends about it. If you had any takeaways at all, um, just share this podcast with your friends. uh, Post it up on your social media. Tag Reborn, tag Rick, tag myself. And um, let your friends and family know about all the good stuff, the good golden nuggets that you are getting to take away from the Reborn podcast. My name is Ashley Horner. Thanks again for listening um, to the Reborn podcast from Ironclad, and I will see you guys next week. Bye.